Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Hey, welcome to summer. Uh, anybody excited about this summer? Yeah, you might want to get excited about it because it's not going to last very long, if you know what I'm talking about. It's going to be an exciting summer here at our church, and I hope you'll take advantage of all of these opportunities, uh, to, especially with your kids and students. As a matter of fact, next Sunday is going to be a student takeover service. Now, what that means is the students are going to lead the service. Some of you are like, did you pray about that, Pastor? <laughs> yes, because how many, how many believe that the church, of, that, that students are not just the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today, and so you're going to be encouraged. Matter of fact, if you're a middle school, high school student, uh, and you'd like to be part of that service, we're going to have students on every team, the worship team, media team. Uh, the hospitality teams everywhere, and so if you're a student, we would love for you when this service is over, you go to the red information tent and say, hey, I'd like to serve on a team. Now, here's the good news. You're only going to do it one Sunday. Right. So you say, well, are you trying to sneak away for us to do this, you know, until we die? No. Uh, so if you just let us know, we would love to do that. Also, next Sunday, we're going to be honoring all of our high school graduates this weekend, Almost every school in the community uh, celebrated graduation. By the way, congratulations to all of the graduates from Grace. We are excited for you. But in the 11 o'clock service next Sunday, we're going to honor all of our high school graduates. So again, if you have a high, a high school graduate in your house, uh, at the red information tent on your way out, if you would just give us your information, uh, we want to give them a gift. We want to pray for them and encourage them, and that's going to be awesome. Right. Now, uh, I am personally excited about this summer, uh, not, because, not just because there are so many good things that are happening. There's going to be even more good things that are going to be happening. Our building is going to get a facelift. Uh, we're going to do some interior updates in the inside of the building, and so you're going to begin to see some of those changes, so the building's going to look better, it's going to smell better. That's good stuff. But more so than the building being updated, I feel like God is doing something in our church. I feel like we are about to enter into a new season as a church, and, and, it's, and it's a good season, a season of harvest a season where lost people are getting saved more than ever before. People are growing in their faith more than in Jesus more than ever before. That's, that's just what I sense in my spirit that God is doing. And so I want to encourage you this summer, we're going to be making some exciting announcements about some things that are going to be happening and, and some different things are going to be taking place. You're not going to want to miss any of those Sundays. Be here at a, as much as possible this summer as God continues to do good things. And it starts this Wednesday with our first Wednesday service. Hope you'll be here. It's going to be worship, the Word of God. Pastor Gene Fiesel, if you haven't met Pastor Gene, he was our first worship leader. 
as our church, at our church. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to follow with ice cream after, and it's going to be awesome. Now you're excited. Okay. Uh, this summer also is about volunteering, so we're volunteering at the Greenwood Freedom Festival. If you'd like to help out with that on your way out, you can go to that table. We're going to be doing Serve Day. Lots of good stuff is going to be happening, so stay tuned. It's going to get really exciting around our church. Now, you say, Pastor, I, I think it's exciting right now because of the Beatitudes. Well, you're the people I love. Yeah. So eight weeks ago, we started studying the Sermon on the Mount, and more specifically, the eight statements that Jesus made that all begin with the word blessed. And of course, we called it, uh, we called it the road to happiness. Now, uh, we have about 100 of these journals that are left because we gave these out and the opportunity for you to take notes. Uh, there are extra scriptures to study. Uh, and places to write down what God is saying to you. Now, some of you may know that small groups begin today. Some are small groups, and if you don't have something for your small group to do, or maybe you're not in a group, maybe, just maybe, you take these eight messages, and you just talk about them in your group. Maybe you watch part of the videos of each message. You take this booklet here, go through some of the questions. I guarantee you'll grow together uh, as a follower of Jesus if you will do that. If you didn't get one of these, you can get it on the way out uh, today to, to do just that. Okay? So since this is the last one in the series, let's review all of the Beatitudes. Are you ready? Yes, yes we are. Blessed... And remember that word blessed is a Greek word makarios, which means also is translated happy. And it's not temporary happiness, is it? It's a deep joy that is not tied to circumstances. Jesus is saying you can be blessed even if things aren't going well. So blessed are the people who are poor in spirit. And we talked about this. Poor in spirit is to recognize that without God I'm nothing, that apart from God I'm lost. But because of poor in spirit attitude, I get gratitude. Amen? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we talked about the fact that we're not talking about mourning death. We're talking about mourning over sin. That if I have godly sorrow over sin, I will be comforted, which is another name for the Holy Spirit. If I want to move of God in my life, I've got to learn to repent every day. I got to repent every day. And if I'm repenting every day, you know what I'm doing? The Holy Spirit is growing in my life. Good preaching, amen. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we painted this picture that meek is, is like this unrestrained horse, but choosing to submit to God's control, choosing to surrender to the control of the Lord. They're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Because if I decide that I'm going to fill my life with good things, with spiritual things, it's only going to increase my appetite for holiness, and I'm going to be filled. I'm going to be satisfied. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, showing mercy to other people. And what's going to happen to those people is you're going to get mercy yourself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One of the big, biggest battles you're going to face as a believer is to keep your heart right with God and with one another. I'm going to say that again. 
one of the biggest battles you're going to face as a follower of Jesus is keeping your heart right toward the Lord and toward one another. Jesus said, if you'll do that, you're actually going to see God. You say, Pastor, if I don't keep my heart right toward other people, I'm not going to see God. You should probably go back and watch that message, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, this was last week, for they will be called children of God. God is a peacemaker. We see that through the cross, and we are to be peacemakers because God is our Father, and he wants us to look like him. So that's the first seven Beatitudes on the road to happiness. So here's my question. What is at the end of the road to happiness? Does anybody know what number eight is all about? What's at the end of the road to happiness? Persecution. Blessed, this is the last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. We're laughing like we're like, what, this is a joke. No, this is the Bible. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you what, this is going to mess with us American Christians here, isn't it? And I think this is one of the most paradoxical of all of the Beatitudes, because it doesn't just make sense to us. I think it's one of the more controversial of the Beatitudes, and here's the title of today's message, The Persecuted Are Happy. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Now, how many know Jesus doesn't think like us? Our natural mind does not think like this. So when I give my life to Jesus, I've got to start training my mind to think like Jesus. That's called discipleship, by the way. I'm learning to think like a son, not like a slave. Are you getting this today? And so if this doesn't make sense to me, then I got to dig into God's word so that I can understand what are you talking about, Jesus? And I want to, uh, as, as, as your pastor, I want you to know that uh, probably about three to four times a year, I do a series that is verse by verse through the Bible or a walk through the book of the Bible. And the reason, there's a lot of reasons I do that. Uh, but one of the reasons is when we do, when we study the Bible that way, it forces us to talk about things that we may not want to talk about. Because if we were just going to approach, you know, topic to topic, week to week, we probably wouldn't pick persecution. But there it is. Jesus says, this is, the persecuted are happy, so let's talk about it. Are you ready to talk about it? Why are people who are persecuted happy? Write this down in your notes because it means you're becoming like Jesus. The persecuted are happy because it means you're becoming like Jesus. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of, because of me. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say, blessed are you when you're persecuted because you're a jerk. Or because you do stupid stuff, right? Sometimes we blame things on, 
the devil, but it's really us. We just did stupid stuff. I'm raising my hand, confessing my sin. There are three of us in the room. All right, the re- all right. You see how the altar call is going to go today. Listen, when we're persecuted, it's an indication that people can see Jesus in your life. You are different. You talk different. You act different. You react different. Why? Because now you are a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said about that in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you don't belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. Isn't it a good thing to know that God chose you today? That, that's why the world hates you. And remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. But why, pastor? Why are people persecuting followers of Jesus? Because it means you look like Jesus. Now, what does it mean to look like Jesus? Uh, Back to what Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Jesus is righteousness. He is the standard of righteousness. So how do I live righteous? This is super simple. Don't miss this. You live according to the Beatitudes. If you live out one through seven, eight's going to happen. If I'm poor in, well, let me, let me show it to you this way. I've shown this to you a couple times that there's a progression to the Beatitudes, right? If I'm poor in spirit and recognize my spiritual poverty, that's going to lead me to mourning over my sin, which is going to lead me to hunger for things that are better than what this world has to offer. I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that's going to lead me to show mercy, and then I'm going to develop a pure heart, and then I'm going to be a peacemaker, uh, and then I'm going to suffer for Jesus. And the reason I'm going to suffer for Jesus is because I've been doing these seven. How do I know if I'm living a righteous life, Pastor, if I'm doing these things? And let let me rephrase it. Not doing these things, pursuing these things, becoming these things, right? I'm becoming like Jesus. So Jesus says you're going to be persecuted. Why? Because this is what it means to live a godly life. Uh, we like to say, well, living a godly life is don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls who do. You know, and we have this list of holiness standards. But can I tell you that these are the things that God wants us to pursue as followers of Jesus. Remember, this is the very first part of the very first sermon that Jesus preached. And all he did was talk about everything, didn't he? He says, this is what it means to live a godly life. This is what it means to look like Jesus. And because this is righteous living, here's what uh, Paul said to Timothy. He says, in fact, everyone, and by the way, 
I looked up the Greek word for everyone. Do you know what it means? Everyone. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be. Boy, you are doubly glad you came to church today, right? We would skip this part, wouldn't we? If we were like, I don't want to talk about that, but that's what the Bible says. Everybody who wants to live a godly life is going to be persecuted. Now, remember, a godly life is people who live according to the Beatitudes. Jesus is making it clear that the world has a hard time dealing with people who don't fit their mold. Newsflash, they didn't accept Jesus. They're not going to accept you. Hey, pastor, I don't really need to hear this message because there's nobody hassling me about living for Jesus. My question is, are you sure you're living for him? Are you living one through seven? Because if you are, Jesus said this is going to happen at some level. Let me, let me ask a different question. Does anybody else know that you're actually a Christian? Not by what you say, but by how you live. Now, so why are the persecuted happy? Because it means people can see Jesus in you. But secondly, it means that God can trust you. Let me explain this. In the book of Acts, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He gives him the great commission, go on to all the world, preach the gospel. They obey the great commission. They start teaching everybody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a result, some of the apostles got arrested and they were beaten right, for their faith in Jesus. And so this is their response in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The Bible says they went away happy. They went away rejoicing because God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the sake of Jesus. That's not normal. People, I'm arrested and I'm being beaten for my faith in Jesus because I'm talking about Jesus and I'm preaching the gospel to other people. They said, you know what this means? That means that God trusts me. It means that God has chosen me. To be one of his messengers. A couple years ago, I was in East Africa, and I was in a country whose population is about 99% Muslim. And so we went to visit uh, a pastor, his name is Winga, and uh, we visited the place where he had built his church. So he and his wife and his two kids had come to this Muslim island to plant the church of Jesus Christ. Every time he built something, uh, the local Muslim population would burn it down. He would gather large rocks from the beach. He would carry it by himself to try to build this foundation for this church. But every time he did, the local Muslim population would come and take the rocks away, and they would scatter them everywhere. Um, his wife's family were Muslims, they abducted her, beat her, and did things to her that I can't talk about. She survived. She returned to her husband and her family. And Wenga is still the pastor of that church. 
Matter of fact, two years ago, one of our Kingdom Builder offerings was to build Pastor Winga a church that they could not burn down. So you helped make that happen through your Kingdom Builder offering. Thank you for that. By the way, last week we received an offering for our camp equipment for our students who are going to camp. Uh, Friday, we sent a check for $35,000 because of your generosity. Thank you so much. Now back to the story about Winga. The thing that I remember about Winga so much is his electric smile. As he is telling this story, he is telling it with joy. Because he had the opportunity to go to another country where Christianity is accepted and the church of Jesus Christ is growing. He chose to go to a difficult place to plant the church of Jesus Christ and he's doing it with joy. I think sometimes we forget that there are 340 million Christians in the world now who suffer high levels of persecution for their faith. Some simply for reading the Bible. Some are denied food simply because they're a Christian. Some are jailed, and yes, some are put to death. Now, I want to encourage you, if you should dig into this, there's a website called persecution.com. This is the website of Voice of the Martyrs. I really want to challenge students and young adults to check this out because you need to understand that there are people who are pay, have paid a high price for not just freedom in our nation, but freedom to serve Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, did you know that since the birth of Christianity, 70 million Christians have been martyred? More than half of those in the last 200 years. So, the cross to the 20th century, all of these people, about 35 million, 40 million, and since then, it's increasing rapidly. And it has increased significantly since 2020. Did you know that while the world was reeling from a worldwide pandemic, those who hate Christianity increased their attacks on Christians? Since 2020, uh, there's been a 60% increase in the number of Christians killed worldwide. You say, Pastor, what's going on? Here's what I think. The Bible says that when we get to the last days after the rapture of the church, there's going to be a man, uh, the Bible calls him Antichrist, that's going to be revealed and he's going to rule the world. But the Bible also says that there's not just a man Antichrist, there is a spirit of Antichrist that's already in the world. And so the man Antichrist is going to persecute anybody, right, who, who, who says anything about Jesus. And, and they're going to pay a high price. And so the spirit of Antichrist, as we get closer to the revelation of the man Antichrist, is growing in the world. And just think of the word Antichrist. Violently opposing everything that is about Jesus. That's what's going on in the world. That's what's going on. You say, Pastor, how, do you think we're getting close to the end? Let me tell you a story. Earlier this week, I was at a doctor's appointment, and uh, they were testing my blood, and we're having a conversation about, you know, blood and things like that. He's like, did you know uh, there will be a time very soon that they will look back, people will look back at us as savages because we actually took blood out of people to test it. He says, 
within 5 to 20 years, everyone will have a chip in their hand that will tell them everything medically you need to know about that person. We'll never need to draw blood again. I'm like, really? And I said, how, how soon do you think this is going to happen? He goes, anywhere between 5 and 20 years. You say, well, pastor, what's going on? Well, the Bible says that during the Great Tribulation, nobody's going to be able to buy or sell without a mark in their hand or their forehead. Now, are you saying the Antichrist is here? Not necessarily. I'm saying the technology that exists for what the book of Revelation says is going to happen, yes, it's here. And I think persecution is not just happening around the world. It's starting to grow in the United States. According to an article by the Family Research Council, Criminal acts against churches in America have been steadily increasing for the past several years. We're we're talking about acts of arson, vandalism, gun-related violence, bomb threats, and other threats. The first three months of 2023, listen up, there were 69 acts of hostility against churches in America. That's three times the number of acts of hostility in the same time period last year. I'm telling you, it's ramping up. The spirit of Antichrist is growing. There's a teacher in New Jersey that was arrested for giving a student, excuse me, suspended for giving a student a Bible. If you're a college student, many of our college campuses, if a Christian dares to be outspoken about their faith, they are demeaned, they are debased, they are targeted for their beliefs. And many times, Christian college students will hear from other people about how Christianity is hateful and bigoted and only for the privileged. Now, by the way, let me pause for a second and say that one of our small groups in the summer is for high school students that Pastor Jeff is teaching every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. It's called Worldview Training for Students. If you're a high school student, that's where you should be. You should be getting prepared to live in the world that we are living in. Some Christians in universities are being threatened to lose their federal funding unless they acquiesce to the LGBTQ plus ideology. And we could go on and on about the growing persecution even in our own country, but I think it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that we live in a country that was founded by people who were fleeing religious persecution. And so, as citizens of this country and as followers of Jesus Christ, we live in this tension between, hey, God gave us a gift in the United States of America. It's called the freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion, like some people want it to be, but freedom of religion, and it's been paid for by the blood of over a million people. We're not going to give that up easily. We're not going to walk away, and yet there's that tension between us as followers of Jesus We're just not surprised at all that persecution is increasing and we're not surprised that it's happening because we're racing toward the end. So how, okay, Pastor Wayne, what do we do? Well, let's bigger buildings and let's all live together and buy some guns. Now listen, I'm not making light of some terrible things that have actually happened. But what I'm telling you that we're supposed to be like Jesus. So, Pastor, how did Jesus respond? Well, you got to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Write this down. I I don't have it on the screen. Number one, you got to recognize the source. If you're being persecuted, you got to recognize your source. Remember, persecution doesn't come from people. 
It comes through people. But the ultimate source of persecution is the devil himself. Don't make the mistake of thinking that somebody is your enemy. Somebody is being used by the enemy, but they are not your enemy because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Come on, somebody. Number two, if you're, going, if you're being persecuted, you got to refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Jesus, read, the, read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said if somebody slaps you on the face, give them the other one. If they want your shirt, give them your cloak. That's what he said. Number three, respond positively if you're being persecuted. Jesus, Paul said, don't overcome evil with evil. Overcome evil with good. Good preaching, amen. This is not normal behavior. Right? And I think... I can't go down that rabbit hole. I want to, but I don't have time. It's different because Jesus is different. And we're supposed to be like Jesus, not like everybody else. Are you getting this? So why, why, why are the persecuted happy? It, it's because it means that God trusts us. And then number three, write this down. Help us, Jesus. It makes us stronger. What is currently happening to all of us is we are getting stronger in the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, these troubles and suffering of ours are, after all, quite small. Let me time out for a second because in the context of these verses, he just talked about being stoned with rocks. Not what some of you are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> being shipwrecked, going without food, being lost in the ocean. He's like, these sufferings are also, go ahead and say it with me, quite. I'm not demeaning what you're going through. And, and I'm not saying what you're dealing with is not a big deal. Because I think a lot of us are dealing with some pretty big stuff right now. I think it uh, by the number of hands that were raised when Matthias was leading the prayer time, I think it just shows the enemy is working hard. He is coming against us with everything and the kitchen sink and the iron skillet. That's, that's how I feel right now. Uh, go ahead. Raise your hand. You say, Pastor, that's me. This stuff just come. Look, it's the majority of the room right now. The enemy is working. And yet Paul says in relation, it's actually quite small. And here's some really good news. It's not going to last very long. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's not going to very last very long. And this short time of distress is actually going to result in God's richest blessing upon us forever and ever. The Bible says, and he says it over and over again, that persecution and suffering actually makes us stronger. Now, we don't preach this in America very often. We have this attitude that once we get saved, everything's supposed to work out. You shouldn't have any problems. And a lot of people in the American church are just shocked when we walk through difficulty. We have a flat tire. I'm being persecuted. 
It's the devil that did that to me, not the nail in the road. The devil did that. The devil's after me. And this is one of the reasons that you need to go on a missions trip. you got to get out of this country. Because you'll recognize that everywhere else in the world, they understand that if you live for Jesus, you're going to suffer. That's just the reality. Many people, their decision to be baptized in water is likely to result in their death. And when, and us, we have this American version of the gospel of Jesus that that's not going to happen to us. Oh, it's happening to everybody else. I think what Jesus is saying is that you li- if you live out the Beatitudes, you're going to be different. And because you're different, people are going to treat you poorly sometimes. Now, there is a way not to suffer persecution, And that's to not live out the Beatitudes. How many many know that, here's what Satan would prefer you and I to do. He would like us to be under the radar. You know, just just go along. You know, don't say anything at work about Jesus. You know, you might get in trouble. You might lose your job. You might get reprimanded. And so there's this pressure, 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 pressure. Not necessarily, hey, you're going to get thrown in jail, but there's this, there's this invisible pressure that if you speak out for Jesus, somehow you're a hater. And there are a wide variety of American Christians who never share their faith because they're afraid. It's going to cost them something. So there is a way for you to not be persecuted, and that's to keep your mouth shut. And don't stand up for Jesus. And don't share your faith. And don't invite people to church and pray for them to get right with God. Can I tell you that we are not here just to go along until we get to heaven. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be making a difference. We're supposed to be standing up for Jesus. Can I go ahead and tell you that people who stand up for Jesus are happy? Here's, here's a verse. I've got to skip through some of this because I'm running out of time. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Oh, we love that part. We don't like to read the rest of the verse. I want to know Jesus. Around here, we call it knowing God. Not just going to church. I want to grow. I want to know God. Well, how do I know God? Well, I know him because of the power of his resurrection. And that power actually saves me and transforms me. But if I truly want to know God on a deeper level, I also need to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Persecution is actually a gift. That's what Paul says. In Philippians chapter 1, he says, To you it has been granted on behalf of Jesus not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake. He said, I'm going to give you a gift. And most of us say, I don't want that gift. I'm going to give you a gift, and this gift is the gift of suffering for his sake. Again, let me say, not suffering just for suffering's sake, not suffering because of bad choices, uh, but because of our stand for Jesus, suffering, he goes, that's actually a gift. Did you know the Bible that you have in your hand or the Bible that you have at your house, the reason you have that Bible in your language is because men and women suffered to give you that Bible. You may or may not have ever heard of William Tyndale in the 16th century. The only Bible people had 
in Europe at that time was in Latin, and it was in the hands of the priest. And so it was the driving passion of William Tyndale's life that everybody have a Bible in English. And so what he did, he learned the Greek language so that he could translate the, the New Testament into English. And he did that. And then he learned Hebrew, and he translated the first five books of the Bible into English. But he got in trouble for that and got kicked out of the country, smuggled those Bibles in their language uh, back into England through, through bags of flour or grain sacks of flour. He was arguing with a priest one day, and, and the priest was saying to him, hey, people don't need a Bible. They don't understand the Bible. And so there was this teaching of the church. They didn't want people to read the Bible for themselves. And, and one of the priests said, and I quote, the only, thing, the only thing they need is the law of the Pope. And the law of the Pope is higher than the law of God. That's what the priest said to William Tyndale. And Tyndale made this promise to the priest. It's part of what, why I got kicked out of the country. He says, my aim in life is to make sure a boy who uses a plow will know the word of God better than you. The king of England eventually found him. He was brought to England, tied at a stake, and they asked him the question, will you renounce the word of God? He said no. They burned him at the stake. And because of that, you have a Bible you can read. And there are many other stories about men and women who paid the price, who were persecuted because of the word of God. Let me say this. I think if there's one thing that we found out in 2020 is that American Christians don't suffer well. I love the 9 o'clock service because I can just talk to you this way. I was convicted deeply uh, as we were all walking through this together. I'm like, we haven't talked about suffering as much as we need to. I was on a Zoom call with several other pastors and this pastor who was, you know, because we're just trying to figure out, he's like, he goes, he goes, pastors, we just need to repent because we have not talked about this. We have not prepared our people to know how to suffer. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should pray to suffer. <laughs> Please don't pray that way. That's not, that's not the goal of this message. Well, I just pray I should be persecuted more. No. What we should pray for is that we'll be more like Jesus. And, because, and when we are like Jesus, we act like Jesus, and we talk like Jesus, here's what's going to happen. We're going to be persecuted. Here's the last thing, number four. It's not on your notes. I don't think. Yeah, it's not. The fourth reason that the persecuted are happy is because, number four, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded. Matthew 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your, is your reward in heaven. Where are the persecuted going to be rewarded? In heaven. One of the reasons that the persecuted are happy 
is because they fully recognize what's going on. There's the spirit of Jesus, and there's the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's just not going to last very long. But there's going to be a day. There is going to be a day when we're all gathered in heaven. The Bible says of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And we're all going to be rewarded for the deeds that we've done in this life. Did you know that? You're going to, we're going to be judged for the lives that we live. And the Bible, Jesus says here, you should be very excited. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted because he says, great is your reward in heaven. When we get to heaven and we celebrate the end of all things and the beginning of eternity, I've just got a feeling 70 million plus people who have been martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ, one by one, they're going to march into this incredibly infinite stadium known as eternity, and you think they get excited about the NBA finals, and you think they get excited about winning a championship, we have no idea the roar, the praise, the celebration of these men and women who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. I don't want to be there on that day and say, Winga, Winga's wife was beaten. Winga's church was burned down multiple times. But I couldn't stand up for Jesus at school. I couldn't start a Bible study. I couldn't ask, hey, how can I pray for you? Come on, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to paint a picture. The reason the persecutor are happy is because they realize there's going to be a reward in this. I'm going to be rewarded. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So as we bring this message to a close, let me ask you this question. Does anybody know you're a Christian? Are you living a godly life? Let me ask it this way. Um, are you happy? Are you truly joyful? Because Jesus says, blessed are all of these people. If you want to be truly happy, if you want to be truly joyful, you got to choose to live a different way. You got to live the Beatitudes. And so I think the ultimate question that we need to be asking is, am I living according to the Beatitudes, which is righteousness? And I think this is a question we all need to ask. This is what God wants for all of us. And here's the good news. If you do, you'll be happy. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.